Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Life expectancy for dogs has doubled in the past four decades, and the reasons can be largely chalked up to better health care and improved diet. Epicor recently conducted a 60-day in-home study of its pet's postbiotic supplement for dogs. Here to discuss some of those findings is Julie Gasper, Portfolio Manager for Companion Animals at Cargill Health Technologies. Hi, Julie, and welcome to the NutraCast. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining me. So before we get into the study, what is the market like for pet postbiotics? Yeah, so we really think that pet postbiotics have a lot of opportunity, not only just because of the general growth of supplements themselves, but also as pet parents learn more about the microbiome, both in their own world, but also how important it is for their pets too. Since postbiotics really address that microbiome issue, we see a lot of growth. In addition, postbiotics have some great benefits since there are not live organisms. Uh, you don't have to worry about whether they will survive extrusion or other pet processes that could kill live organisms. So we're very optimistic for growth for postbiotics in this space. Okay. And so what inspired this research and what were some of the goals of it overall? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have a really large body of evidence when it comes to in vitro research or controlled research. But that isn't always the full story. We know we can move, you know, we can move biomarkers, we can move the microbiome in that controlled setting. But the question really was, what does that mean when you're outside of controlled setting? What does that mean when you're in your house and your four-year-old is giving the dog table scraps or the dog is getting into things when you go out for a walk? You know, those are all things that can impact its microbiome and taken out of a controlled setting. We didn't really know what that means. The second part is, in addition, in that controlled environment, we know how quickly changes happen inside the dog. What we didn't know is, what does a normal pet parent see? And how long do those changes take? You know, there's the difference between what's happening in the dog and statistical significance and all of those things. But at the end of the day, if a pet parent doesn't really see a difference in their dog and their activity and their overall health, that may or may not really resonate with them and may not result in more sales for a pet supplement manufacturer. So really trying to get a better grasp of the entire world of how this supplement works when it's actually out there being used by a pet parent on a day-to-day basis. And so I'm just curious, what were some of the goals for the pet parents? What were they hoping to get out of this? So pet parents really just want to see overall health for their pets. That was the number one thing that pops up when we would ask them about what are the health benefits that they want to get out of feeding either a food or a supplement. They're really looking for overall health. It then boils down to individual benefits. So mobility always ranks really high on what pet parents are looking for. Immunity did as well, which is not surprising because we launched this research in the middle of COVID. So immunity was on everybody's mind, but Mm -hmm. really laddering up to that everyday, better quality of life, happier pets, and really those things that would impact their relationship in life. 
Okay. And I interviewed you at Expo West last year. And one thing that we talked about is how pet trends sort of mirror human trends. I'm wondering, you know, one thing that's top of mind for a lot of folks is also mental health. Is that something that pet parents are concerned about, whether it be anxiety or something else for their pets? Definitely. Especially as we came towards the end of COVID, if you want to call it that, but the end of a lot of the shutdowns when people started leaving their house more often, going back to work, and just not being with their dog and their cats 24-7 like they were before. I think there was a lot of focus and a lot of concern at that time about anxiety and separation anxiety and how will the pets, how will they deal with that sudden change in their world? So anxiety has been a big one that pops up ongoing in the pet space. And so you mentioned you started the study amid the pandemic. What was recruitment like? Were pet parents enthusiastic about this or what was the overall takeaway from that? Pet parents are absolutely wonderful to work with. It's it's such a fun place to work because pet parents are so engaged. They want to talk about their pets. They want to provide you feedback on products. You know, really as we got towards the end of the study when we did some qualitative work and we did some interviews, it's great. You get people talking and they will talk to you forever about their pets. So yeah, recruitment was great. We started with a really large panel because we wanted to get a really good cross-section of American pets and American pet owners. So we started with a very large panel and then whittled it down based on criteria that we had set, such as the health of the dog, whether they were taking any medications or if they were on a prescription food. We also wanted to make sure we got the pet parent, the person who was most engaged with the day-to-day work and the day-to-day feeding of the dog, because we thought those would be the people most likely to notice any changes and things like that. So, you know, we went into this not really knowing for sure how pet parents would react when we asked them to collect fecal samples three different times over the course of 60 days. And we didn't know if we'd get a really good response to that just because of the passion of pet parents, or if that's something that pet parents would balk at and wouldn't want to participate in. So we were really happy as we went through recruitment that that was not a factor that drove people away from participating. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it to be, considering most people clean up after their dogs anyways. So what's an extra step just to probably drop it in the mail, right? Exactly. Yep. Super easy. So walk me through the study process. How did it all go? Yeah. So as I said, we started with a really big panel. We had about 750 people that we started with. And with those individuals, we asked them a whole host of questions, both about their pet themselves them, how they interact, what they feed their dogs, how they feed their dogs, supplement use, treat use, where the dogs sleeps, really anything we could think of that would help us learn about that relationship between the person and the dogs. And so we got some really fun insights out of that and some really good surprises. But from that data, we also then, as I mentioned, we we narrowed it down to a smaller subset And we wanted to make sure that, first of all, we were dealing with healthy dogs. We didn't want people to quit using medications, quit using prescription foods, or put any pets at any kind of risk whatsoever. So this study was absolutely 
focused on healthy dogs. And we recruited across all age groups. So they were one year and up, all weights of dogs. So from a 10 pound dog up until 90 pounds and all breeds. So we ended up with a mix of pure breeds and also a whole lot of mixed dogs. And from there, we were able to then get our, our panel of about 350 dogs and we split them in half. And what's important to know is that all dogs in the study actually took a supplement. There were two versions of the supplement that were exactly the same, except for the fact that one contained Epicor and one did not. So even those who were not getting the Epicor were still taking a supplement and nobody had any idea of which version they had. So we fed all the dogs the supplements, got them out there for 60 days, and continued throughout that 60 days to check in with them. So at, before they even fed a single supplement, we circled back with our participants and asked a lot of questions again about the dog health, what they wanted to see changes in, where they saw challenges with their dog. And then we checked in at day 15, day 30, day 45, and then at day 60. And we also got those fecal samples from them at day zero before they had fed a single supplement. And then also at day 30 and day 60 so that we could correlate that data back to whatever it was that they were seeing at those other time points. And at each of those time points, we would ask them questions about what kind of changes had they seen? Have they noticed any changes over the last 15 days in their dog's appearance or appetite or sleep or overall health, mobility. We asked a whole list of questions and we did that on purpose. While we knew the benefits that we believed our product has based on all of our controlled research, we didn't want to lead users to only looking at those factors. So we threw in other things where we either know we don't have benefits or we didn't expect to have benefits. And so that way the pet owner was looking at their pet holistically and not only looking at those things that we wanted them to see. So one of the really big surprises of this study was that we saw really strong benefits for breath odor and for anxiety. Oh. And these are both things we haven't studied before for Epicor. We really hadn't dug into whether we thought there was a benefit there, whether we thought the technology could help the pet in those spaces. So as we talked about anxiety, those pets taking the supplement with Epicor were 165% more likely to be less anxious as reported by their pet parents. And for breath odor, that number was 211%. So those two wow. jumped out, never saw those coming, but we were really happy that we had asked all those questions because that now gives yeah. us more things to look at and ways to think about how we can address those because those are two really common problems for pet parents. Yeah, definitely. As a former Chihuahua owner, the the breath one, especially for me, <laughs> I'd be very interested in that one. <laughs> especially since they're always so close to you with those small dogs and so cuddled oh, up yeah. against you. It's yeah, very prevalent. <laughs> so the recruitment was a really big project in and of itself before we even got to the actual project and the actual study. The other thing I would note is that we selected a soft chew as our delivery mechanism, if you will, for the Epicor pets. And we did that based on the data that we had from that initial screening. 
that said soft shoes are one of the most popular treat and supplement forms with pet owners. And so it was really important to us to find a form that the dog would eat. So we made those soft shoes and we also tested them with a, uh, with a lab to check palatability where they actually put them in front of dogs and make sure that the dogs will accept them. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing here was making sure that the dogs would eat them because if they don't eat them, we can't get any data. So going with right. that soft treat form based on what we know about the market was a really important step so that we could make sure that the entire study was completed as we wanted it to be. So it sounds like compliance was not an issue with these pets, right? For the most part, no. I mean, I think as you look at the real world, people will sometimes forget. They don't always feed things perfectly. And that's part of what we wanted to capture of what happens when, you know, one day the dog might not want it, although that wasn't something we encountered. But maybe you forget to give it to them someday. But we had really good compliance overall. Yes. And then what did you learn from the microbiome data with the metagenomics? That's the really fun part of this, because while we have that microbiome data in a controlled setting, it's a whole different world when you take it into a house. And like I said, they were all feeding different foods, different treats. Dogs get into things. Kids feed dogs other things. So we were really excited to get the microbiome data and be able to see that around the same times where pet parents were starting to see differences in their dog's overall health, we could actually correlate that back to things we were seeing in the microbiome. So on that side, by day 30, we were seeing some nice increases in species that are known to have benefits in dog health. And we saw those in those dogs that were taking the Epicor pet version of the supplement as compared to the dogs that weren't, the control dogs. And those dogs weren't seeing the same benefits. So it was really exciting to be able to tie what we knew happens in a lab to what a pet parent could see day to day in their pet. So then the microbiome and what's going on inside the pet. Yeah. And so what pet owner insights stood out to you? Yeah, you know, when you just look at the insights on their own and not necessarily looking at our product itself, one that jumped out at us that I think we all got a really good kind of a giggle about was we asked all these people where their dog sleeps. And if you asked this question five years ago, 10 years ago, even more than that, there would have been dogs sleeping outside. And we had out of 750 dogs, zero dogs sleeping outside. And I think that's interesting because we did have a rural population represented, which is where you might expect to see that more often. But as the relationship of people and their dogs has changed, we didn't expect to see many, but we were surprised to see that number being zero. Yeah, that's so good to hear. And I was going to ask, were there any surprises, but was that the biggest surprise for you? You know, I think there were there were a few others. That was probably one of the bigger ones when we looked at just the insights. I think one other thing that jumped out at us was around the quality of food versus quality of treats. And if you look at food uh, based on the price tiers, there was a significant number of individuals who are feeding what would be considered to be a premium pet food. But those same individuals would then turn around and feed what would might be considered as a less premium treat. 
So really interesting to see some of those interactions between how people see food and how people see treats and the need that each one of those things fills. I think none of that's really surprising, but you would kind of expect a premium pet food user to also buy premium pet treats. Um, right. So I think that this speaks to the treating behavior and how how excited people are to give their dogs things that they really love. Yeah. Okay. And so just going back to the benefits of EpiCore, what were some of the biggest benefits that pet parents saw when they were giving their their dogs these postbiotics? Yes. Yeah, so the dogs that received the supplement with the EpiCore in it, we were really able to confirm the benefits that we already knew from our lab, from our controlled testing, we were able to confirm those benefits in the real world. So not surprisingly, immunity. And that's a hard one for people to always gauge. A lot of times it is more about the absence of sickness. But those people who fed the Epicor supplements were 95% more likely to give that supplement a high rating for having changed their dog's immunity as compared to the people who didn't. So that was one. Overall health, which we know is so important to pet owners, it's the most important thing that they're looking for when selecting a food or a supplement. Our overall health, even though it started in a very good range, our supplemented dogs jumped up to seeing 27% more likely to have a higher rating for their overall health than those who weren't. So being able to confirm those benefits that we already knew we had was, you know, really important to us and one of the primary goals of this research study. I'm curious, are there any conditions specific to certain breeds that you saw? Not so much in this study. We had a fair number of mixed breed dogs. About half of our panel was made up of mixed breed dogs and the rest of the panel was various breeds of purebreds. So I don't think we had enough power in numbers of any individual breed to target and to recognize specific health benefits. In addition, I would say that because we really focused on healthy dogs, we really were avoiding putting ourselves into a position to even to answer that question. Okay, gotcha. What do you want pet parents to know? Yeah, I think for pet parents, it's a really interesting world. Supplements can be kind of overwhelming. It's hard to understand if supplements are truly needed. Something that came out of this trial was that we had a number of people that started this trial that weren't currently using supplements. Supplements were new to them. They didn't use them either because they don't trust them. They don't want to pay for them. They don't believe that they work. And a number of those people came out of this study having seen the benefits and having seen the difference in their dogs, and we're now way more open to purchasing supplements and using them in the future. So I think as pet parents look at the market and think about what it is they want to do with their dog, I think just trying things, giving it a chance, giving it enough time to work. And that's some of the findings that we found that pet parents aren't going to see a change from the Epicor pet ingredient in 15 days. It's not immediate. It needs time to help establish the microbiome. But over time, if you give it enough time to to influence the pet's health, that you really can see benefits going forward. 
Okay. And before I let you go, what's next? Is there any upcoming research or projects or new products that you'd like to tell us about? We always have a lot of work in progress. I think as we look at CAT, when we talked last year, we talked about CAT and how it has been traditionally somewhat of an underserved market in the world of pet food, treats, and supplements. So we're really excited that we are going to have a pretty large CAT study that we will be releasing a little bit later this year, talking about the same kind of benefits and the same kind of work and confirming that our postbiotics have really good benefits in CAT as well. In addition, we are looking at more research that will focus on pets that aren't just healthy adult pets. So whether it is younger or older pets, or it's pets that have some health challenges and seeing how we can address those, that's on our to-do list for sure. And then also continuing to understand the microbiome, continuing to dig into how do things influence the microbiome? How does that mode of action work? And how is that then reflected in what a pet parent can see? Such a fascinating area of research. I'm excited to hear more about this CAT study. So you'll have to keep us posted on that. Julie Gasper, Portfolio Manager for Companion Animals at Cargo Health Technologies. Thank you so much for joining me here on the NutriCast. Thank you so much for having me. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutraIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.